0: you so much for both being here today obviously you both traveled really far which I really really appreciate um for a topic that is is super important so I'm really really privileged to have both of you here because this is something that is definitely good to talk about personal experience and perspective from so I really appreciate that yeah both of you are here to talk about your journeys with it and it's also something that I know can be a little bit almost like vulnerable and hard to talk about so again thank you so much for both coming on today to talk about the hormonal birth control pill so thanks for th-
1: having us yeah, yeah thank, thank you so you. much for coming
0: down. <laughs> so before we get into it, obviously it'd be really great just to hear a little bit about your backstories, in particular with fitness, how you got into the fitness industry, and also the journey kind of um, with the pill. So since you've been on before, Danny, that's all right. Let's start with start with you.
2: Yeah, of course. So I won't drone on for too long. Soon as I've been here before, but I have a background in competing in bodybuilding. I first got into training probably in twenty fourteen. Um, I have a background of playing in football, then started going to the gym. To begin with, it was very sort of health focused and then I ended up competing in bodybuilding from the year of 2016. I competed for five years and then decided to transition away from bodybuilding as I spoke about in the last episode because I realised that it wasn't really in line with my personal values and it wasn't really making me happy anymore it was taking so much more from me than it was offering me Um and then since then i have basically just been on this i suppose i was on a journey to restore health initially and now training and nutrition is very much a big part of my life but it's not something that consumes me like it did when i used to compete and i'm now just healthy living my life i do like to push myself every now and again, work towards certain goals. I'm currently training for a half marathon, um, but it's more just to celebrate my body and what it's capable of as opposed to pushing the extremes like I used to. And in terms of birth control, I ended up going on birth control when I was very young. I think I was about 15. And the reason for that was because my cycles were irregular at the time and also as contraception. And also I think like a lot of women in the back of my head, I had, okay, it's going to improve my skin. And that has its benefits as well so there was a few reasons for me going on birth control but it was pretty much a case of like going to the GP they were like look go on go on the pill it will fix these things very short consultation I didn't question it because I was about 15 years old at the time and I was on it for a long period of time until I started bodybuilding and then I ended up having to come off it because it was what my coach suggested because they thought it might be interfering with my ability to lose body fat in a contest prep so that's when I initially came off it, ended up going back on it a few years later when I was in a relationship using it as a contraception and then um, came off it again. I did go through a period of time where I struggled with my hormone health, which could have been linked to that, but I'm sure we'll come onto that a little bit further into the podcast.
0: Did it help with the the fat loss in PrEP at all?
2: Uh, it's, it's really hard to say yeah. because I mean, I didn't start losing body fat quickly by any means when I came off the pill um but that was my first ever contest prep I had to lose quite a lot of body fat through that prep I think I lost about 30 pounds in total um and I was also working as a one-to-one PT so my expenditure was so high even outside of my training like I was teaching god knows how many classes over the week staying at the gym until 10 p.m then doing my cardio afterwards so I think there was a combination of the amount of stress on my body meant that I didn't respond so well but then also who knows the pill could have had an impact um but even beyond that I still had to push very hard for fat loss and uh, it was a very long drawn out prep and I ended up I think I pushed my show back as well in that first prep so I still had to push very hard it wasn't like coming off the pill worked miracles or anything like that
0: yeah yeah, really good insight with the total stress on the body and and responding so yeah, yeah loads that will circle back there too so thank you for sharing that You're and welcome. uh what about you philly
1: mm-hmm. Well, I started getting into training probably about nine or ten years ago now, but very I'm going to say that very loosely. Um, As a girl, I think we all started quite similar, you know, lots of cardio, that sort of thing. I was very skinny at the time as a teenager, and it took me a long time to kind of get into the swing of, you know, training properly, lifting weights. Um, I dabbled in, I say dabbled in bikini bodybuilding in 2018. I just competed for that year, but I pretty quickly realized that it wasn't for me to be perfectly honest and to be honest like me and Danny now follow quite similar values with things like I I just enjoy lifting I still want to live my life I still want to be able to eat the food I want and I want to be able to you know not let that interfere with everything else that I want to do but I still very much enjoy it and do it all the time um in terms of birth control, so I have been, well, I was on something or other for almost 10 years straight. I did kind of chop and change what I was using. Um, started, again, for similar reasons to Danny. I had irregular periods. Um, again, I had really bad acne. And, you know, the doctors always tell you, <laughs> go on the pill and that will solve all your problems. Um, and then, yeah, I stayed I stayed on various things for 10 years, obviously, for... Um, contraceptive purposes and to be honest I was quite scared that my skin would get a lot worse if I came off it um, and then I eventually came off of the pill and everything all together uh, in January this year and it has been quite a challenge trying to uh, transition back to obviously what my hormones are supposed to be doing on their own but yeah in a nutshell that's what I would say.
0: What are some of the, the symptoms that you've experienced as a result of coming off, if you if you don't mind sharing?
1: Yeah, so interestingly, the first few months that I came off it, I was absolutely fine. I um, got regular cycles. I was very surprised, to be honest. I thought, oh, wow, that was easy. <laughs> I wasn't really expecting that to be the case. Uh, but then the last sort of four or five months have been horrendous, to be honest with you. I've um, essentially been having periods every sort of 10 days. Um for four six days so I've become anemic in the process Um, I have been having real trouble sleeping my skin flares up really regularly at the moment Um, and it's just all in all not not been a particularly good time and I'm still struggling kind of trying to get to the bottom of that at the moment
0: yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you both so much for, for sharing. Obviously, there's so much confusion around the pill misinformation, people aren't sure they're scared to come off. They yeah. think that's going to solve all their problems, as you both said. Obviously, I think part of that is down to we do have this gender research gap. So maybe for anyone that's like not sure what that is and why this is potentially an issue in the first place, tell us a little bit kind of about what that, that gender research gap is.
1: Yeah, I mean, there there really isn't that much research done on women on anything. I think um, I I had Helen O'Neill on my podcast recently from uh, the brand Hertility. She was telling me about this as well. Um, I think one of the stats was something like even painkillers in general that you just assume would be researched on women. I think the last bout of research that was done in women was in like 1994, and, and yeah, paracetamol has never been
0: tested on women. No, never, never,
1: never. And you wouldn't even think that as a female, would you? You just yeah. assume yeah. that, well, it must have been done. And, and apparently a lot of the dosages as well are uh, just aimed at men. Yeah. They don't even take it into consideration what we actually need, which is actually shocking. Um, but yes, in terms of obviously contraception and things like that, there there really isn't much research into it. I think that's where the lack of education comes from with that sort of thing. And a lot of the research is unfortunately funded by the companies who make them. So naturally a lot of the data is going to get skewed yeah yeah,
0: wild Wild. what are some of your your thoughts on on that Danny regarding kind of the differences in the research because I know you're always looking at that as a coach and trying to learn yourself so what are some of the barriers that you found trying to look into the pill
2: yeah it's mad and then even if like Phil was saying there's very little research to start with but even when there is research it's so hard to then apply that to clients because no two women are the same Everyone's, you know, hormone profile is going to be different. People have different histories. For example, if a woman was put on birth control when they were very young, they might respond very differently to something than someone who's never been on birth control. So it's so hard when you're like researching humans and then add to that women whose hormones fluctuate throughout the monthly cycle, it's so difficult to sort of produce research in the first place, but then apply those outcomes to clients because you never know how one individual is gonna respond in comparison to the next person. So it's really difficult and it's hard to, it's hard to like, obviously there needs to be more research done, but even when there is more research done, it's then very difficult to apply that to clients because you never know how someone's gonna respond as an individual. And you need to know a lot about them as an individual to even guess what's gonna happen. Um, And obviously, when you're talking about things like this on podcasts, it's hard to talk generically about subjects like this. And I think that's one of the most important things to people for people to remember as they're listening. Obviously, we're going to talk a lot about personal experience, which will provide you with a lot of food for thought. But it's so important to remember you're an individual and there's no one size fits all with this type of thing.
0: Hey, it's Leo here. Just very quickly interrupting this podcast episode to share with you a really exciting announcement. The Nexus team are now available to take on new one-on-one online nutrition clients. So if you're interested in working with myself or anyone on the team for your nutrition, health or body composition-based goals, then follow the link in the show notes and you can see all of the information on what that might look like to work with us. Yeah, I've got to stay curious, that's for sure. Yeah. I think that one uh like definition that's probably really important to get on the board is just like actually what is hormonal birth control and how does it work because a lot of people don't even fully fully understand that. So um I mean, anyone have got any preferences as to, to who takes that one? How how does hormonal birth control actually work? Um, go, go, oh, for this it. This can
1: be hard to summarize. Essentially it's just endogenous hormones, isn't it, that are yeah. gonna help um kind of it depends on the pill. This is yeah. why I'm sat here like, oh, I don't know how to explain. It either it is stops very you
2: from ovulating yeah. um, and therefore yeah. stops you from getting pregnant or it sort of thins the lining of um, your womb, which means that y- you're not going to be able to get pregnant again. So it basically stops you from getting pregnant via exogenous hormones and those hormones differ between each pill and they differ in what hormones they are specifically, but also the quantities as well
0: yeah and that's really important to understand isn't it a lot of women don't actually know like they know the name of the pill they're on and you say you know is that a pedestrian only is it mixed and they, they don't even they don't even know so I think yeah like as you've said doing staying curious being your own scientist and actually looking into what you're on is probably a really important place to start to so then at least when you're looking at the research available you can maybe try and apply it to you a little bit more in terms of like at least I know what pill I'm on yeah what ones were you both prescribed if you don't mind sharing and like what's your history with with those have you kind of tried several ones did you find any better than anything else
1: I've tried several. Yeah, same. Um, I, I honestly can't think of the names of the first. I've, I've probably been on about five pills and the coil. Um, and then I essentially ended up on Eloine for the last two, three years. That that was kind of the best of a bad bunch <laughs> in my experience. Um, that was a combined pill. I had the low estrogen version from memory. Yeah, I remember starting on microgynon when I first went on
2: the pill. Then I I remember being in school and a lot of my friends were on yasmin and they were prescribed yasmin because of their skin. So I Mm -hmm. thought I'm going to go to my GP and swap because I want my skin to improve too. (laughs) So I just purely swapped for that reason because I was young and naive and just thought, oh, that's going to happen to me too if I go Mm -hmm. on that, which I think is the case for a lot of people. And um, unfortunately... GPs don't have enough time with us they don't have enough time to discuss the ins and outs of every pill you know the potential side effects um and how each one works and I think when you're young you just think oh they know what they're doing so I'll just Mm -hmm. trust that and Mm -hmm. this pill does this and this pill does that but yeah I've done tried on Yasmin, I think I've been on a couple of others as well but I can't remember the names of all of them um and like I said I did spend a stint of time off when I was bodybuilding then went back on Um, And now I haven't been on anything since I think it was 2018, 2019. So there's been a long time that I've not been on anything.
0: Where does the PCOS diagnosis fit into that? If that may be asking, was that when you were on the pill? Did you get that or did you not get that until you came off?
2: So that was on one of the stints where I came off and I then didn't have a period. Um, So I had the PCOS diagnosis eventually. Um, I initially went to the GP and they sort of, you know, did my bloods, they sent me for an ultrasound, um, I had this on my ovaries, uh, my bloods were also. At the time it's it's difficult because I was competing in bodybuilding, so my hormone function was suppressed anyway, but the ratio of uh, androgens to like your typical quote unquote female reproductive hormones was that representative of someone who has PO- PCOS, but everything was suppressed. So it was difficult to come to a conclusion. So then they sent me to have my ultrasound done. And I had, um, I think the diagnostic criteria is at least 12 cysts on each ovaries, on each ovary. And I had um, a lot, I think it was maybe 15 on each, something like that. Um, So that's when I got diagnosed with PCOS. And then I did, I think I stayed off the pill for a while at the time. And then ended up going back on it when I was in a relationship at the same time as bodybuilding. So it is quite difficult, I think, when you're getting... I questioned my diagnosis at first. I was like, is it PCOS? Is it just amenorrhea? Um, but I think what I do have is PCOS because of my other symptoms and um, the hormone profile. Although my hormones were suppressed, it was still the ratio was still that representative of someone who has PTOS.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I think yeah. that's probably quite a cool to touch on for a minute, if that's all right, because a lot of people will be on the pill for PCOS. They'll get prescribed the pill. They think that's the solution. The GP yeah. will to go on it. But actually, as you said, they've got amenorrhea and that's been misdiagnosed. So for anyone that is on the pill for PCOS that might be thinking like you, is it actually PCOS? Like why could that potentially be misdiagnosed as amenorrhea and, and what is amenorrhea for anyone that, that doesn't know?
2: Yeah, so amenorrhea is basically the loss of your menstrual cycle. So when someone does not have a cycle, at all. And it can be brought about by numerous different reasons, one of which, if you've dieted to the extreme, such as in bodybuilding, and that's why I personally struggled with amenorrhea um, for several years. But um the reason it can be misdiagnosed as PCOS is because of the diagnostic criteria of PCOS being two of either absent or irregular cycles um, a pcos specific hormone profile and cysts on your ovaries and sometimes when you have amenorrhea you can still have cysts on your ovaries so you can meet the diagnostic criteria for pcos without actually having pcos and even then it's still debated uh, like what exactly is pcos yeah. people still debate that so It's a really difficult one. Um, And even I now still question sometimes do I have true PCOS? So it's still something I debate in my own head. Um, But like I said before, I do have a lot of the sort of symptoms of someone who does have PCOS. Um, And so I think that probably is the case for me, but it is something that you should question. And I personally take the approach with clients and I took the approach with myself of making sure that. I was going down the route of doing everything I could to recover from amenorrhea first before being like, oh, I've got PCOS, I'm just going to jump on the pill to sort of, quote-unquote, fix that. Because the sort of way in which you would treat amenorrhea is very different to the way in which you would treat PCOS. But a lot of people who have amenorrhea sometimes get diagnosed with PCOS and almost use that as an excuse not to treat their amenorrhea. Um, and use it as a bit of like a oh I've got PCOS so I'm going to have a regular or absent cycle so I'm going to carry on extreme dieting or I'm going to carry on neglect to my body but actually what they need to do is focus on health obviously make sure that they've got enough energy coming in make sure they've not got excessive stress on the body potentially reduce training frequency and intensity and uh, restore health that way and I think if you do that first you can then at least be making sure that you're in a position of health and then if you see an improvement in obviously menstrual cycle function it's a really positive sign and then you can go down the route of addressing okay do I also have PCOS as well as amenorrhea Um, rather than just being like yeah I accept that I have PCOS not going to question it I think it's really important to I don't know take the route of in most cases treating it if you think that you fit the traditional type of person that could have amenorrhea such as you've dieted in the past you've dieted chronically or to the extreme um if you have ever had an eating disorder or anything like that if you're in a very lean body maybe it could be worth questioning do i have amenorrhea trying to treat that first and then going down the route of thinking okay do i have ptos on top of that maybe
0: yeah that's great it's so important to differentiate between that isn't it I had a client once I'm sure you've like all oh, her clients like this as well she was like yeah I've got PCOS and I was just like don't know if you do yeah looked, you know they put, put me on the pill and then really that was just masking an eating disorder and and, and HA um and because obviously as you've like just said then because it masks the underlying problem you get that pill bleed back you think you're good yeah it she didn't do anything to change her eating she was on super low calories for so long she didn't obviously have any actual hormone you know production and uh now she's got really you know really really bad hips um like a lot of pain in there because she's just had such a low hormonal state for, for so long that like it's affected her bone density and that's confirmed by scans which yeah. at our age is she's the same age as us that's obviously like really really sad just because she got wrongly diagnosed and yeah Mad so yes yeah. so, um yeah really important to be able to differentiate between that um i think one one of the biggest questions we always get asked with the pill right is around probably the three that I get I don't know about you it's around weight gain or weight loss mood on the pill and then s- some people but less so but maybe you uh, both get this is around kind of like training performance and, and muscle growth and recovery so obviously yeah research is super mixed but in your own personal experiences do you have any thoughts on if you've noticed anything around weight gain or weight loss mood or like training and performance being affected when you've been on the pill versus off the pill mm.
1: In terms of uh, weight gain and weight loss, see, the only thing i personally experienced is changes in appetite when I've been on different pills. Uh, there was one that... Uh the complete opposite extreme completely suppressed my appetite. I found it really difficult. It was actually in a phase where I was supposed to be eating in a surplus and I was struggling. Like I just didn't want anything, and that's really unlike me as well. So I knew that <laughs> I like yeah you. I am a foodie. <laughs> I'm a foodie. That was really unlike me. Um, but I was on that pill for probably about a year, and I was just like, what's wrong with me? Like I can't figure this out. And I've also had clients in the opposite boat where you know, they might have find, found that that pill has kind of increased their appetite. I think in terms of obviously what we're looking at with weight gain on the pill, it's it's you'd be better off looking at either fluid retention from just water retention on the pill and changes in appetite. It's really, I, I don't think we can sit here and say you will gain weight on the pill for any other reason than that at the moment, as, as you know, as far as we know at the moment. Um, But it certainly has, in my experience, changed my appetite for sure.
0: Yeah, which is obviously going to... If that means you're yeah. eating more calories and not exactly. changing... It just your changes your, your behaviour okay. more than anything,
1: yeah, rather weight. than a direct impact of, yeah. of the pill. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think the only one that has research on actually gaining weight is the the shot, the injection. Mm. Yeah. Um, Progesterone yeah. shot,
1: right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think, like, Phil, I only potentially saw a slight shift in fluid rather than anything mm. else. Yeah. Um, and... For me personally, the one thing I did notice, particularly in the stint where I went back on hormonal birth control, um, I think it was in like 2018, 2019, something like that, my mood definitely changed then. And I think I noticed it because I'd come off and then gone back on. Whereas when I was on it in the first place, I was on it from the age of about 15. Mm -hmm. So I probably didn't notice any changes in my mood because I was on it for so long from that young age. Whereas when I went back on it further down the line, I noticed that shift in mood and that was one of the main reasons I actually came back off it because I just didn't feel quite like myself. I felt very irritable. I felt quite like Mm -hmm. moody and that's just not me as a person. I'm quite happy and chirpy and I know obviously everyone has their bad days and I definitely do as well. But at that time, it was a significant shift and it was most days that I was feeling like that. So that's why I came back off it. And I know everybody is different and it definitely doesn't cause that to happen to everybody. Some people have a really positive experience on the pill. um, But for me, that's one of the things that I noticed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Having been on quite a few different pills, I've noticed differences in, in that. I remember the very first pill that I went on when I was what 16, So Seventeen is when I went to uni I remember it was ridiculous i um I turned up at uni I dropped a pen on the floor and I literally disintegrated into tears <laughs> and i called called my mum and I was like i I need to quit uni I hate it here and it wasn't anything what? to do with that it was a pill okay. <laughs> I was you a Because drop you dropped a pen on the floor. I dropped a pen on the floor. <laughs> it's not that deep. You <laughs> it's just not. Pick, pick, the, pick
0: the pen it's back up. It's not that
1: deep. I came off that pill and I was absolutely fine, I'm tell- telling you. So, it's like, um, a, like at wow. the end of contest prep where you turn into an actual demon. A demon. <laughs> demon. That was me. Yeah, that was an interesting one. Um, and then, yeah, other, I was on the progesterone only pill for a while as well. And um, I don't know, have you been on that?
2: I don't think I have I pretty much stayed on combined pills most of the time
1: yeah I didn't enjoy that it made me feel like I was completely flat all the time like nothing made me either extreme nothing made me sad nothing made me happy like everything was just like on a level which was quite a depressing way to live so I came off that one as well um, I've heard that a few times from clients. Yeah. Clients that
0: have also been on antidepressants describe it like being on antidepressants, yeah. just flat, not up or down.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it was. Everything was fine, but but nothing was good yeah. or bad or anything. So, um, and then the the last pill I was on again, as I said, the best of the bad bunch. I would always have two days before um, I came on where I felt like it was the end of the world. But to be honest with you, like that I just was. Dropped a pen yeah I could drop a pen and I'd be off again <laughs> but um in the grand scheme of things compared to the other things that I'd been on that was kind of the best so I just put up with it to be honest and I don't know I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing but
2: I don't know about you two either but I've found with a lot of clients who've been on the um what's the one that goes anywhere? implant the implant that's the word um they've experienced towards the end of their time on the implant when they're close to being due a new one they experience really bad pms and quite heavy cycles and very like irregular cycles as well mm. not true menstrual cycles obviously i'm sure we'll come on to that but mm. bleeds mm. um and i don't know have you guys found that
1: with your clients i've had a couple yeah. of clients experience the same thing yeah yeah
2: on that particular form of contraception it just seems to be really common um
0: yeah I well, I'm it rea- go- sorry. sorry i think
1: i think you're more likely to see that, at least from my experience and my client's experiences with something like the implant or the injection where like, there's a whole load yeah. of hormones in one go. Yeah. And then naturally, you know, it's going to fade out rather than the pill or something you're taking every day. It's going to maintain a much more consistent level. Yeah. Mm.
0: I think what like I'm really taking from this so far as someone that is very privileged and doesn't have to deal with this is that the amount of like individual response to different birth controls other considerations in your life and like I think so many women as you've um as you've as you've said obviously have to um <laughs> sorry so many women obviously they yeah they just get prescribed it by their doctor they never think to question it they don't think that maybe even different ones are an alternative and a lot of women don't know how many different ones there are and they just they just take that one and I think really what I'm taking from this so far is that it's important to like yeah just be your own best scientist and don't be afraid to maybe change that birth control until you find one that works for you
1: yeah but the difficulty in changing is that it's not a quick process yeah. and like you realistically you're have, gonna have to give it three four even five months until you really know yeah what that change looks like for you and that is daunting to be honest yeah I've done that so many times where I've been like I'll just stay on it because it's easier
2: yeah and it's so horrible to feel like you're almost working against your body and your body is not cooperating with you um it almost feels like when you are experiencing you know really bad side effects it feels like you're almost having a bit of an out-of-body experience and it's like you're not connected to your body that's a really hard thing to go through, and knowing that you could potentially switch and have to deal with it for another five months, mm-hmm. and you might still feel that way, is also yeah. really daunting. And then you start to question, okay, what if I feel even worse on the next form of contraception? So it, it's difficult even yeah, changing even birth that. control, but it is important to experiment and find what works for you. Of course.
0: Just mm-hmm. pause that for one second. So hello, mate. I don't know what Carl's trying to say. So. Cool. No worries, no worries. Is that light still all right? I wasn't sure if that's what you were trying to say. Yeah, it's just the sun came in. I just needed to adjust. Cool. The cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah. For, for me, like obviously as you both will do as well, like when you work with a client, you really know like every element of their life, right? Don't you? Especially if you see them in, in person as well. I think what no one seems to really be talking about is like that correlation versus causation. So quite a few times I've had clients that have gone on, gone on the pill and then I've gained weight. And I'm like, okay, so the pills made me gain weight. And I'm like, that may or may not be true, right? But then I'm like, okay, I now know you really well. We train three times a week together in person um, for like seven years or whatever. And it's like, what are the reasons for you going back on the pill? And it's like, okay, well, I'm now in a relationship and you know, it's just easier from a contraception standpoint. I'm like, oh, cool. Tell me a little bit about that new relationship you're in. And then they're just like watching movies five times a week, just eating snacks on the sofa. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. and they're not like, they're not training as much because like they're obviously in this relationship now, whereas before maybe going to the CrossFit gym was like their social. And it's like, maybe, just maybe, yeah. like, there is a causation there, but it's not directly correlated. And it's like mm. the reason that you've gone on the pill is because of something else changing in your life. And that other thing changing in your life is potentially influ- influenced your energy balance. Yeah. And that's a really important conversation that I never really hear anyone, anyone talking about.
1: You're absolutely right. And then same, same thing as well. You could go on the pill and that could then go and have an impact on your behaviour. So, you know, if it has made your mood different and then you want to comfort eat and all of those sorts of things, that, that conversation should be had as well. But it's, it's so difficult. And like you said, Danny, before, it's so individual depending on the person. Like, you don't know how you're going to respond to it and there could be so many other factors at play. And that's a problem when it comes to research, right? You
2: have a group of people and you have, you're monitoring something that, can be affected by so many different variables but it's almost impossible to control for all of those variables so even if you do have research into things like hormone or birth control it's still it it's always going to be flawed in some way and it's so difficult to apply that to everybody mm-hmm.
0: yeah 100 percent. i think something you touched on a second ago which is probably good to clarify as well is obviously that that's not a not a real period so um yeah what, what do we mean by when we talk about pill bleeds versus real cycles
2: yeah, so when you're on hormonal birth control, you'll either be on a form of birth control um, where you have a bleed every month, or there'll be certain pills where you take them non-stop and you don't have a bleed. But the mistake a lot of people make is that when they go on the form of birth control where they have this bleed once a month, they think that they have a regular period and they use that as a sign of health, when in reality it is a withdrawal bleed, So it's a result of the hormonal fluctuations that you will experience because of the exogenous hormones that you're taking, as opposed to being a result of your own hormones fluctuating. So it's not a natural menstrual cycle that we would have if we weren't on any birth control. It's enforced by the exogenous hormones that are coming in. And so it's not a measure of health. And you'll see this a lot in bodybuilding. People will be in a prep and they'll be like, okay, I'm bleeding once a month, so I'm healthy, I'm fine, I can keep going. When in reality, the bleed that they're having is a withdrawal bleed from taking the pill. It's not a natural menstrual cycle, so they can't use it as a measure of health.
0: Do you know why there's a gap on the combined, on the um the mini pill, sorry? Do you know why there's a gap when you when you stop taking it?
1: It's supposed to be beneficial, isn't it, for?
0: I think it's proven it's not. I think, I don't yeah, like...
1: they've proven that oh, it's really? not. Yeah. It's more just psychological more than anything, yeah. which is really bad. You don't need it. You actually don't need it. It doesn't do. Yeah. So I don't know how
0: true this story is, right? This definitely is something that could just be like made up to prove a point, but I've heard this from a few doctors. It was to make the Catholic Church happy about putting women on birth control.
2: Seriously. Because they they obviously
0: wouldn't approve women being on birth control. And the idea was that then you still have a normal period and you wouldn't know that you're on it. I had no idea. I'm gonna have to look that
2: up. (laughs) I thought the original sort of theory behind it was that it would be quote unquote healthier. We know that's obviously not the case. I thought that that was the original theory behind it. I
0: think there was so much resistance to women actually first going on it because we were such a still so such a religious country. That it was done. It was done because of that. Uh, well. How wild is that? And then you you look at those things, right, and you realize how many things that we do, like like today, even like what the process of removing ovaries is called, right, hysterectomy. That comes from the word hysteria, which used to be the diagnosis when a woman was crazy. And then mm-hmm. that's like, so they removed your ovary, so you didn't, so you weren't crazy. Like the diagnosis was hysteria, and that was the treatment for it. So there's so many things that happen today, which are as a result of like this medical basically sexism, and like no one even knows that these is where these things come from, where these words come from, and it is crazy. Wow. But wow. yeah, I don't know how true that story is. Obviously, <laughs> I was not born in the '60s; wasn't there. But I've heard that from like several several doctors. So, um, that's mad. yeah, that's that's why there's a gap on the mini pill. Right.
2: Wow.
0: Wild um we've got like 10 ish minutes so I'd absolutely love to take it to yeah sorry I shouldn't wait I said that um I'd love to take it to the point where obviously we just like get really clear on what would make the episode a win for you both in terms of like conveying this message because obviously it's not about being anti-birth control um so yeah like what would you say are your like main thoughts that you'd like people to take away in terms of the lessons from this lessons from this episode how they can advocate for themselves how they can best support themselves when on the pill off the pill or yeah what would be your main takeaways that you'd like people to learn
1: Yeah, more than anything, I think listening to your own body is going to be the absolute key thing here. Um, You know, we can speak about our negative experiences on the pill, but like I say, I have plenty of clients that get on really well with it and it works for them and it works for their lifestyle, in which case great. So I don't want you to be scared into this idea that whatever you take is inherently going to be negative for you because it's not. Um, The most important thing, as I say, is going to be listening to your body. If you do feel like something is wrong please like please try and figure out what that is because I know plenty of us have experienced where you know we've gone to the doctors for example and you feel like you're talking to a brick wall and that's happened to me plenty of times and um, so if you genuinely know in yourself that something isn't right make sure you follow that up
2: yeah I'd love more people to get curious and ask questions before they make decisions and I would also love for parents to get curious about what their kids are doing as well because ultimately a lot of people end up going on birth control when they're incredibly young we were about 15 years old you don't really know how to make an educated decision at 15 years old and you'll generally believe anything the doctors tell you to do so I think It would be great for a lot of parents to get curious so that they can help educate their children on what they might consider as well or make decisions with their kids um because i know that like if my mum had spoken to me about it and sort of questioned what i was doing i'd have given it a little bit more thought um so yeah i think just getting curious would be a huge win questioning okay why why are you going on birth control is it worth the potential risks and what are you going on and is there potentially a better option
0: yeah really important I think that's one nice silver lining isn't it is we're probably the first generation that when we have kids at least they'll be a lot more educated and informed because our parents generation was the last one that just didn't have a didn't have a clue so that's Yeah, yeah. yeah that's definitely a benefit
1: there's a big push for it all around now especially menopause and things like that I think overall that female health push is happening just very very slowly and I just hope that they're is going to be more research and more education into these things because it's still seriously seriously lacking at the moment
0: yeah and lots of exciting things happening with that though which is also which is also good yeah I think one point on what you just said that is really important most people don't understand how effective the fertility awareness method is which is like 97 percent, I believe if done correctly obviously everyone can make their own decision on what's ever right for them but considering most women don't know that not, not maybe not most women but like a lot of women don't know that you can't get pregnant every day of the month which is kind of crazy because that mm-hmm. seems like fairly basic information but every time I put a poll on my stories asking that it's like 70 30 at best so there's a lot of women that still think they can get pregnant every day of the month they don't know that the fertility awareness method is maybe even a thing let alone that if done properly it's like nearly as effective as birth control um and that that is an option and I just think yeah people should know that that is an option
1: mm. yeah is it it's difficult to do 100% correctly though that's the only yeah. thing yeah. i would say
2: and you have to be very careful with monitoring yes your symptoms as well as your basal temperature not just cuz i think a lot of women think oh yeah i'll just track my bleed and that's mm-hmm. it but you have to be yeah. really on it with monitoring everything if you want to use that method mm-hmm
0: the best way i ever heard that explained is if you just refer to the menstrual cycles so the ovulation cycle then just like everything makes a bit more sense yeah and that was really who was that from maybe Laura bryden but i thought that was that was kind of really useful because then it just instantly changes your perspective on like how you're viewing it so as you said earlier okay well i'm bleeding monthly so i'm healthy because you think that what you're looking for is that bleed you maybe don't know that that's actually not the point of the cycle as soon as you refer to it as the ovulatory or ovulation cycle and you track for that and look for that and that's just a way better kind of way of viewing this whole thing right
1: yeah definitely have you have you used the temperature method before
2: so i haven't ever used it as contraception and my sole form of contraception um however i have used the app that would be used for that i've used natural cycles to track my cycle um but i've never actually used it as contraception yeah
1: i've tried it <laughs> i found it very inconsistent with what my temperature was doing just trying to come up with yeah, a pattern really. was very very difficult i think people don't realize ha- just how consistent you need to be with it in, in terms of even the little things like doing it exactly the same time every day if you've had a bad night's sleep that can yeah. impact it and like things like that can really throw it off kilter which does make it very difficult to do yeah, yeah 100%. and
2: people on night shifts and stuff that are obviously going to bed and waking yeah. up at different times it's next to impossible mm-hmm. so it is really difficult but um it's Mm -hmm. certainly something to consider if you have got a pretty regular schedule yeah
0: i think if anyone does want to try it, an aura ring can be a good investment because at least then it takes you can it takes an average so you don't need to worry about taking your temperature at the exact same time every day it pulls a consistent average and that syncs with natural cycles and that's just kind of doesn't completely solve that problem obviously there's a lot of things that influence body temperature but it kind of solves some of the the issues with taking it with a thermometer Yeah. yeah um But yeah, anyway, check out Aura, Aura Ring and Natural Cycles. Um, Has anyone got anything that they feel like, yeah, they want to add to this conversation around the pill kind of as as closing thoughts?
2: I just think it's the most important thing to be aware of is there really is no one size fits all and it's so important to get curious about about your own body. And focus on like what feels right for you and what your normal is and compare to that as opposed to comparing yourself to everybody else and looking for the answers in everybody else but yeah Mm -hmm. get curious
0: yeah I love that especially since if you've been on the pill since you were 15 like you have yeah. you might. and you said like what's normal for you you might not know what that normal for you is so I think that's yeah. a really important point.
1: That's exactly yeah. what I was about to say then as well because I think a lot of us have been in this position where you don't know what the normal is. Yeah. Coming off the pill this year for me after 10 years like I don't know what my normal is I'm still trying to figure it out and I think yeah. sometimes you do just have to brave it as much as you might not want to just to see even if it's just for six months and you go right this is me I'm going to try and figure out what this actually looks like for my body and what my body actually does, and then you know if you do decide to go back onto something, you know what what you can compare it to. Yeah,
0: yeah, I love that. That reminds me. Did you see the research like two, three months ago that showed that the being on the pill since a teenager shrunk the hypothalamus and changed its structure? No, that was wild. Not seen that that actually changed your brain a little bit because obviously, you if a te- when you're a teenager, you start producing those hormones. But then, if you've been on the pill since then, that part of the brain doesn't need to develop as much. Yeah, it's it's How crazy, crazy
2: that? that a decision you make when you're 15 years old can genuinely impact your long
1: term life.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, wild.
1: I think part of it as well when you when you are that age, when you're looking at things like the pill, for example, it's almost like an adult thing to do, and it's yeah, kind of it's appealing. Weirdly, really, it's exciting. Really? It's like I've never thought of that. Yeah, it's yeah. it's strange, but wow, yeah. I'd really, really urge anyone else in this position to to really think about it, because it's not all it's made out to be. And it, yeah. it's, you know, when you're at that age, you, you, want, you want to be older, don't you? You want to be cool. You want to be an adult. It's you
0: like know. when the nurse in high school comes and gives you like the condoms and you're like, yeah, I'm an adult Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> yeah. When,
2: I, when I was 15 and I went on it, I remember thinking there was zero consequences of this. Yeah. This is only adding to my life, mm-hmm. which obviously oh. isn't the case, but yeah. you just don't question it. No.
0: Yeah, well, hopefully this episode's helped people to yeah, yeah, to question it and open their mind to some things that just previously they hadn't hadn't thought were possible in terms of the potential side effects and, and negatives because yeah, it definitely is marketed as all upside. um yeah. Definitely think plug fertility quickly because yes. as you've said, a lot of people uh, whatever the exact phrase you was if you, you said what did you say about your doctor? Sorry, you felt that like you were talking to. A, a brick wall. Yeah, that was it. You <laughs> didn't have a great experience with your doctor. So if someone's in oh, the same yeah. boat, there is like 50,000 people waiting for a, an appointment in the UK. Um, where, yes. can they, where can they they find Hertility instead as an alternative?
1: Yeah, if you just Google, the, well, they're on Instagram as well, Hertility Health, um, or just Google them. And what they do is send you out a hormone test kit that you can do at home. It's literally just a finger prick blood test. I did one myself um, about a month ago. Uh, and you can just send that off and they will give you like a full report, doctor's written report on all of your hormones, make any suggestions, that you might need to follow up on if something is slightly wrong Um, and honestly it's just a much more effective and um, thorough process than anything that I've personally experienced by going to the doctors so um, I definitely recommend even if you're just curious about what your hormones are like or if you did want to look into your fertility levels they do both um, I would definitely go down that route
0: yeah i love that and they have the coolest slogans. so even if you don't mm-hmm. have any health issues it's worth following them just for their cool marketing i
1: know you're not over overreac- overreacting mind, <laughs> yeah.
0: mind the gap on the tube was my favorite yeah
1: that was good I as love well that one. Yeah. um
0: thank you so so much for both coming down and, and having that conversation it was really important where can people find out a little bit more about yourself the services that you offer and just follow you in general
1: yes i'm on instagram as philly underscore fleming or phillyflemingcoaching.com um, oh, It's my website as well
2: yeah, Instagram, Danny Bosworth, D-A-N-N-I-B-O-S-W-O-R-T-H and the Flourishing Society as well on Instagram. And then from there, you can find my website, etc.
0: Yeah, amazing. Obviously, we will make sure to get all of that in the, in the show notes. And yeah, definitely give these to a follow if you're not already. So yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate that.
2: Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank cool. you.
0: If you've enjoyed today's episode, it would be amazing if you could do us a massive favour and leave us a review and even if possible, a comment. The reason why this is so useful for us is it allows us to know which type of content and which guests are best going to be relevant for you and your goals so that we can continue to make the podcast even better for you in the future. Thank you so much so far for all of your support on the Women's Wellness Show.